0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Akash and I'll be your host for this podcast, The Desi VC. Each week, I'm going to be joined by angel investors and venture capitalists in India focused on investing in startups across all verticals and stages. Our guest today is Sanjay Mehta. Sanjay is the founder and partner at 100 VC, an early stage VC fund in India, and has previously invested in over 130 startups as an angel including Oyo Rooms, Box 8, Loginext, and Block One. I'm so excited to speak to one of India's most active angels and sought after investors. So without further ado, here's Sanjay. So Sanjay, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. How are you doing today?
1: I'm pretty good, Akash. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, it would be a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Well, great. I wanted to begin this conversation by asking you about the origin story. How did you get started in angel investing and what attracted you to it? Uh,
1: I was a tech entrepreneur, uh, built a software company, started with a bespoke software uh, a company had a dot com failure. Again, built a product company which uh, I exited. Then was running an analytics company um, in which uh, I got uh, introduced to uh, angel investing through uh, angel network, and uh, that's where my first interest started working across. Because uh, coming from a tech background, product engineering, most of the investors in India are financial investors. So this uh, helped me get an edge uh, because all the companies were either tech or tech enabled. So I always had an edge over other uh, angel investors who predominantly were uh, financial investors. So that's where this engagement uh, uh, grew across with founders. And, uh, you know, having built companies from scratch, uh, I could add a lot of value to this uh, startup founders. And when I was an LP to uh, funds, like after my first exit, I, I, uh, for example, was an LP to a uh, large private equity fund called Aditya Villa Private Equity. It was all passive investments I and mean, there is no action. You just read your reports and that's it. So, So this was quite exciting to be in face-to-face conversation with uh, entrepreneurs helping them see build the companies you can add value uh, to their uh, business so it was a great journey to begin with
0: you mentioned the face-to-face with entrepreneurs so how involved were you or are you in the early days of your investing what are some of the best practices associated with a successful angel investor
1: when I was doing my angel investing initial, uh, the success which happened across was more or less the FaceTime. All these founders are, uh, you know, they, they latch on to everything which you can share across. Uh, they are first time founders uh, from basics like how would a tax invoice work or a contracting work across or they would need an uh, connect with uh, some corporates uh, in India or how do I work with uh, government. So having uh, done all this in past, you can quickly get these founders to avoid possible mistakes and in turn help them grow much rapidly. Uh, So I think uh, uh, in my selfish interest and the way I put across besides all the asset class in this uh, uh, wealth management, uh, I believe that uh, startup investment is the best possible asset class while people call it risky for me this is the only asset class where if you can add value uh, you can grow your returns or you can work for your returns or you can influence an outcome uh, reason why i say is you invest into a listed equity commodities uh, real estate i mean you just buy and hold uh, just what the price going up and down, there's little value addition which you can do. In this, you invest, you give a face time, you work with the founders, you can actually influence an outcome. And that was like, I think the biggest value add. Uh, Secondly, uh, my ability to help VCs, uh, the incoming VCs who were funding the next rounds, was huge. Because uh, coming from a tech background, understanding this founders, uh, in helping them build business, I always had an edge over financial investors. So I think that way, I got a great reception from the VC community in India uh, as a solo investor. In fact, in a couple of uh, startup investment, I'm the only angels uh, a- angel investor or an individual investor who is left on the cap table while rest of them have been made to take an exit.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's a great point that you make. Sian Bannister of um, Founder Fund VC once also mentioned that she likes to do a deep dive in the early days and then take a backseat and let the startups and the founders um, take the wheel. I think that's a great point that you made and it's a great trait of a successful angel as well. So in the early days of your angel investing, how did you generate um, deal flow that eventually wound up with you getting a large number of hits?
1: So uh, deal four was very critical. Uh, when I started joining Angel Network, it was predominantly dependent on uh, the, uh, the networks who were curating the deals. And I was not satisfied uh, with that limited deal flow. Uh, I wanted to do my own curation. So I extended my uh, engagement with all the possible, uh, you know, startup incubators. At that time we were very limited. But uh, whosoever were there from the corporate side like Microsoft Accelerator, uh, Amazon. So those are the places where I could get uh, startup deals. Uh, the second one which was happening closely was various startup events were happening across India uh, through NASCOM, uh, otherwise uh, other media companies who were doing it or e cells of, uh, you know iit uh, we're doing it so I, I actually went over there to give enough face time engage with founders uh, help them with various uh, you know uh, informative sessions and guidance in terms of how to raise money what would an investor look into and you know how to raise your check and uh, you know till today i believe this is a continuity of an education which most of the first time founders need Mm-hmm. So, nothing has changed in a decade, I, I still uh, go out and talk about the, uh, you know, the ability of founders to raise money and uh, how, how they can become investable. Uh, the only difference which I see uh, what it was in 2011 till today uh, is that founders uh, are more mature, uh, their ability to take risk is much higher than what it was earlier and uh, they they have now access to not just uh, one person but like me which was earlier the case but multiple of them so there is enough and more wealth of uh, knowledge being distributed
0: well absolutely that's a great point that you make and one of the things that i've also observed over the last uh, few months or years that i've been following you is that you're very well spoken about in the media and you yourself have an extensive uh, social media platform outreach, if if I can put it that way. So you do generate a whole lot of deal flow from these uh, outlets. Correct me if I'm wrong there.
1: No, no, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook has been uh, quite exciting in terms of engagement with founders. Uh, I've got around uh, over, I think 50,000 plus followers. Uh, so, so it has been uh, quite gratifying in terms of the deal flow through social media, direct engagement with founders, uh, with, and also, uh, you know, get ref, referral from uh, many of the invested uh, company founders. Uh, so, right. if, if you look into my social profile also, uh, possibly, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, claim, but yes i've been a, quite a founder friendly investor in fact i have backed across the same founder after losing money with him so uh, I, there have been multiple instances where uh, even after uh, you know the founder uh, uh, has failed in his first idea i end up backing the second one uh, with them because i believe the founder uh, uh, you know founders are good is the idea which failed you know kind of so so that, that I think brings that, uh, that good word within the industry saying that uh, you know, as, as an investor, uh, there's a lot to gain uh, from us, uh, from our investment besides just the capital.
0: Well, that's a, that, that's a very interesting point um, because I have been speaking to a lot of VCs here in the Silicon Valley, and one of the things that they mention is that they never think twice in investing in, a, in, in, in the founding team of a company that ended up failing. They're happy to take the risk as long as it's the same founding team, it's, you know, it's a new product, it's a new idea. So I'm finding that very interesting that you have a very similar philosophy as well, and you will back a founder irrespective of their first failure. That's uh, that's that's very interesting to me. You,
1: uh, I mean, see, uh, the whole idea here is, uh, as a startup investing, we know that some ideas will work, some will not. Uh, but if founders are given uh, have given their best shot, then I think I, I it's it's like uh, as we hear the saying, a known devil is better than an unknown one. So might as okay. well work with the known founder, and we know what didn't work. And uh, jointly, we can actually make uh, the next idea successful.
0: Right. Well, you started as an angel investor, writing smaller checks, and in some cases, even the first check, as you previously mentioned. Today, you're the founder and partner at 100xVC, an institutional VC fund. What's the difference in the process now for you? So what I saw across in the Uh, The reason for 100x VC
1: was, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, the founders' uh, struggle to get money uh, at seed stage is very high. Uh, In fact, uh, seed stage uh, deals are stout of capital. Uh, While a lot of angels came into the system, but those were more like tourists. Uh, They did maybe two to five deals and then... Seeing this illiquid asset class, they moved out. So there was a constant churn of this kind of angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the check size for VCs kept on uh, growing across. What I mentioned across is many of the micro VCs which started across with the small first checks. They, in the second fund, uh, as the economics work larger the fund, uh, economics for VCs work more better. So they, They went out to raise more money and with this more money, they started writing larger checks, which means that seed stage VCs uh, no longer are writing that first small checks. So constantly there was uh, a a gap which was there in the uh, early stage uh, investment. Uh, In the angel networks, the model uh, which was working across was if you get a lead investor, uh, angels will follow and write the checks. Um, Having led... Uh, multiple dozens of deals which uh, through angel networks, uh, it was a thankless job. Um, you know, there's, there is uh, no incentive really to work across uh, for those money bags who are backing your deal. Uh, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, and your reputation is at stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it didn't make sense to continue leading deals, and which happened to other lead investors also. So. Maybe there are handful of uh, I would say across 8 to 10 lead investors who can curate uh, deals in uh, India and the rounds can get closed uh, instantly kind of stuff. Uh, Otherwise, you know, the typical deal uh, closure takes around uh, 2 to 4 weeks kind of stuff on the subscription side. Mm -hmm. The second one which we saw across uh, was the shareholder agreement. At seed stage, uh, all this thick, uh, you know, 80 to 100 page shareholder agreements was unwarranted. Uh, When I started investing through our Meta Ventures family office in US, especially in the YC deals and outside of it, we got introduced to uh, Safe Notes. Mm -hmm. And we found that uh, instrument uh, quite useful. And it was a simple, uh, you know, founder friendly agreement. And uh, that's where we thought across, why not bring the same in India? So that was our second, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, point where we believed that uh, seed stage ecosystem needs to be overhauled completely in India. Uh, we cannot have this shareholder agreement, uh, which takes, uh, you know, three to four months for, uh, you know, founders to get money in the bank uh, and legal cost also is very high. Uh, finally. When we thought across saying that if we want to do a volume based investment uh, in a class mode, uh, my focus turned across uh, saying that can I have 100 odd deals uh, invested every year in India and become a feeder to the VC ecosystem in India? And that's where uh, VC angel networks all can follow on uh, with our checks. Uh, so we would be the first check, and then the angel networks, micro VCs, VCs can start looking at those deals. And that's where we created this 100x VC as a formal fund. Fund. Uh, one of the things uh, major uh, was a more of a branding exercise, where we believed that uh, you know a VC fund uh, would make a lot of sense for founders because it, it, they they would. It's a glamour attest that we got funded by a VC rather than saying that I can, got funded by Sanjay Mehta. So, so in that sense, 100X VC as a brand has grown in multifolds. Uh, so three things which worked in uh, creation of uh, 100X VC. One, to create a deal flow of 100 uh, odd startups every year. Second, to change the... Investment uh, documentation in India with uh, India simple agreement for future equity, ISAFE. And third, uh, to institutionalize this whole investment in a class mode using uh, SEBI registered uh, fund AIF model.
0: One of the things you mentioned in uh, that segment there was that round sizes have increased dramatically over the last few years in India. How has that influenced you as an investor?
1: so uh, as i mentioned across the vc economics work in a skewed way right more the money you put in in lesser number of deals your incentives are uh, much 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 better Whereas for uh, me the way i look upon it uh, from 100x vc is uh, we would like to invest in uh, every deal uh, with minimum conviction of 20x uh, kind of exit Mm-hmm. And uh, while my personal uh, exits personally, as an investment, past uh, you know almost eight to ten years, uh, I, w- I have seen exits over. Uh, uh, so Oyo Room was 280x, which is in public. Right. Uh, so so those kind of exits are possible, and those are the outlier hits for which uh, you know which can change the whole portfolio returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know. So for uh, us as an individual uh, family offices, we measure our investment like how a VC firm uh, does. So as of March uh, 2019, financial year ending in India, Uh, we measured our uh, IRR, which has been uh, uh, 113% year on year, uh, you know, cash on cash and 103 in a logged in portfolio. So this has been a very, very rewarding journey for us. Mm -hmm as an uh, individual investor and we see that we'll be able to repeat the same performance uh, with the 100x VC.
0: Well, that sounds like a wonderful um, strategy that you have ongoing for the fund. Um, You know, what does your decision making process look like before considering a startup for investment? What are some of the key questions that you ask our founders, especially at the early stage where in some cases there might not be traction, there might not be product market fit so what are some of the things you look for when you are looking or considering a startup for investment
1: so one is uh, uh, you know basics kind of stuff as an approach is founding team uh, market size opportunity business model strength unfair advantage mode and conviction of minimum 20x return so that's the approach but from a questions which i ask every startup is uh you know why are you building this company you know what's what's the core purpose what is making you select this idea or this problem as a solution you know problem which you want to solve Uh, the second one is the most important Uh, why do people want this more than any other product like you know why should somebody go for your solution right Uh, what what is broken and what are you correcting it uh, third one is uh, why is now the right time to build this startup, right? Timing plays a very, very crucial uh, role uh, in my experience. Uh, in my dot-com time, I had created an online accounting software in uh, year 2000, which was very similar to how Salesforce at that time was. There was no SaaS. It was called application service provider model no word or coin uh, called SaaS. That time I had uh, 9.99 rupees per company per year kind of model. Everything which today is, but it was ahead of time because India didn't have internet, you know, kind of. Uh, So timing is very important. Fourth, why is your team want to do it? Uh, Why would you win this silver? What is your right to win? Uh, Fifth, why isn't everyone already working on this? If it is so obvious, uh, why are not so many startups working on it? Uh, six. Uh, why does this idea, uh, this platform or this uh, software get more powerful over time? What is that virality factor? How will you get that network effect, right? What is it? So that is the sixth one. Uh, seventh, uh, why will you do this better than a bigger uh, company? So there are always incumbents whom you are challenging across in the space. Mm-hmm. And uh, why would you why do you think you would be much better uh, than solving this? And finally, lastly, you know, uh, I would love to hear across from most of the founders. Why should I invest in their startups? You know, what are they expecting beyond money?
0: Mm-hmm. But how, much, how much time do you end up spending with these founders, Sanjay, before making an investment? Because some of the questions that you mentioned or some of the answers that you're expecting them to, to give you Um, are almost sixfold or sevenfold. Um, So are there instances where you get all of these answers in the first pitch or do you spend some time with these founders? Um, What does the typical process look like for you there?
1: So what happens across is let's say uh, we get a pitch uh, in email. Once we review it, uh, we like it, we ask them some basic questions to fill up online. Uh, then we ask across to do a video pitch in which we have got very similar questions to be answered on a video pitch, uh, which is an uh, you know unlisted, just one-on-one with us kind of video pitch uh, shot on a regular mobile phone, nothing fancy. And uh, then uh, we do a couple of Google Hangouts. And finally, we call one-on-one for a meeting if we are satisfied. So every filter, uh, so I would say across we checked. 1982 applications for our first class of 2019 uh, wow. for 20 investments so for 20 investments we checked uh, 1982 deals that's uh,
0: that's that's a very large number that you looked at um, so one of the stats that popped out uh, when i was looking at your website and these applications that you spoke about and you received a lo- large number of applications from the b2b space and the consumer market um, yeah. Is is it fair to say that these are your core investment areas, or are these investment areas um, something that you actively go out there and look at and make investments in?
1: So we are sector agnostic at 100x. There is no bias. We are an opportunistic investor, so we we'll look every deal on a deal to deal basis. It's not about uh, you know uh, saying that we'll focus on one and ignore others what we know is what not to do so where we will not invest but rest i think uh, we are good to go in any of the sectors Uh, you know so while consumer uh, and b2b software services were the best which we could uh, get across as an application from our investment thesis perspective uh, consumer tech and SaaS uh, we invested three three deals uh, into the same fintech was four so mm-hmm. in that sense fintech consumer tech and saas uh, out of the 20 we ended up 10 deals doing in this three sectors uh, the rest were all maybe one food tech uh, you know one hr tech deep tech kind of stuff
0: right hey, you mentioned that there's some things that you will not invest in i'm very curious about that do you have a wise class in your in your fund
1: <laughs> no, nothing of that clause, okay. but the idea is, uh, you know, uh, we we wouldn't investing into anything which is capex-heavy, uh, uh, we wouldn't invest into, uh, you know, uh, founders which are going to be part-time onto it, right. uh, we we wouldn't invest into uh, companies which are extremely me too. Uh, we wouldn't invest into uh, tech companies where founders are not uh, technology uh, savvy or the technology is outsourced to third party and IP is not owned by the company. So there are many of those filters over the time which you build across and you exactly know that, uh, you know, uh, what you don't want to invest into. So if if a, if a founder has a plan B kind of stuff, saying that, okay, I'm running a services company, I have this product, if it doesn't work, I'll go back to my services company, you don't invest. So there are many of this, uh, you know, standard filters which you build, build over time. And that gives you a quick, uh, you know, filtering mechanism when you see the pitch, you see the approach. Uh, and then, then one of the biggest, uh, you know, filter which we see across is In today's world uh, which was not earlier the case but today is you know founders ability to raise the next round right Uh, if you don't see that uh, even if the market size is big uh, you know everything is in place uh, we wouldn't uh,
0: invest so two follow-up questions on that firstly um, do you invest in single founder companies and second um, in terms of sectors that you know could be taboo so like fantasy gambling sex tech are these all on the table when you are evaluating startups or are these a strict no from your size? Uh,
1: there is no, no, no kind of stuff. Uh, the only thing which uh, uh, the family avoided us to get into was cannabis. Right. Uh, so that, that's the one which, uh, in fact, uh, we, my brother, harshal wanted to start a fund and do investments in which uh, family said no and we then backed out. So, yeah. I think otherwise, uh, I don't think so. Uh, we we have been, uh, uh, no, I don't think so. We have got anything which we will not invest into.
0: Okay. And But what about single founder startups?
1: Single founder startups, we prefer across teams. Uh, I have exceptions where I've invested in single founders. But as a criteria, we would definitely look at a... Uh, co-founder in fact uh, uh, starting this year i mean uh, next year 2020 we are running a series of founder uh, dating uh, events as a not-for-profit to help uh, you know startups uh, get co-founders
0: right that's uh, i'm I'm guessing that's going to be really helpful especially with uh, people with ideas and then trying to find somebody who might be a good fit in terms of uh, starting that company what are some of the challenges when it comes to evaluating b2b SaaS startups
1: see uh, when you are looking at b2b SaaS startups uh, typically i, I would uh, look across as the at the churn of uh, you know the customers if the churn is very high and the drop-up is there uh, then it's a big uh, big 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 no to it so um, the engagement or the utility of that B2B software uh, has to be there. What's the engagement kind of stuff? Uh, in terms of the technology, the product engineering, uh, can they can can the software uh, you know uh, scale up? You know, does this have an ability to scale uh, really high? What what are the mindset of those founders? when they were building this B2B tech product companies, right? So uh, let's assume a a founder who who is building a B2B uh, tech for let's say logistics kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And now uh, the the, the founder's understanding on that domain has to be very, very specific. Uh, Unless they understand that business, it's very difficult to build a product around it. So if their learning is only by Uh, you know, getting inputs from one customer, then I I think it's a a no-go kind of stuff. So how well they are aware about uh, that domain uh, is very important. And this comes across very quickly uh, when you meet founders uh, and and you can understand the the authority that founder has on that subject uh, and why they, they will be the winners. And that's where you want to back those uh, founders. And finally, uh, you know, the delivery model, uh, what's their pricing? How do they, most of the founders struggle with pricing so badly. And our belief is that, uh, you know, pricing uh, creates the mode. Pricing creates the unfair advantage. Uh, Pricing for profits is the way to go about. So we work very closely with founders once we invest. In terms of defining their pricing model, this is, uh, we believe that that creates that whole uh, success uh, for that company uh, in terms of unit economics. Uh, the the founders' uh, ability to define its uh, universe, because uh, this is not going to be like uh, I can give a full page advertisement in a newspaper and attract customer. You know exactly what universe you want to target across. And how do you reach them? Uh, I mean, so there are multiple uh, factors which uh, goes into taking a decision on evaluating a a B2B startup. Uh, It's more tougher because here we are solving an enterprise problem, a business problem, uh, a a problem which uh, most of us can relate into. Uh, It's not like a moonshot, which we are creating. In B2B, you can't create a a large moonshot.
0: Well, I I get a sense that the founding team is something that you keep an eye out for during the evaluation process. So what's more important at an early stage? Is it product-market fit or founder-product fit and why?
1: Uh, I would first look at market. If the market is uh, large enough or rapidly growing, uh, that would uh, typically uh, help me take a next step kind of stuff. The first would be market. Then uh, it's going to be the founders, uh, which is uh, which what they are trying to work upon or why they are building or what problem they are trying to solve. And the third would be the solution side of it. So I would go across with market, founders and then the product.
0: But how do you mitigate false positives and false negatives uh, during an investment? And that could be with respect to the market or with respect to the company that you're evaluating itself.
1: No, So uh, my biggest uh, proof of the pudding is going to be if there are paying customers, right? If somebody is going to pay uh, for those uh, solution and we keep on asking, uh, there is a... uh, Theory which we believe works across for us is asking so what. So everything which a founder will pitch to us, we'll keep on asking so what, till the time we get an answer which we see across. So for example, let's say uh, uh, a founder pitches to me saying that uh, I built in 128-bit encryption. For mm-hmm. me, it's like we'll ask so what. So it's it's difficult to break uh, into any of the communication. So what. So you will end up saying that, you know, finally, after multiple, so what, saying that uh, whenever I transfer data between my head office to a branch, uh, we will uh, ensure that there's no uh, hacking happening. That, that would make a sense saying that, yes, somebody will pay for this. This is where the money would be made across. And then we go out and talk to, you know, we've have, we have got a large uh, set of CIO, CTO base or uh, within the corporates or government. Uh, you know, we'll we'll engage across and ensure that uh, we validate our thesis.
0: Interesting. Now that you've started to invest or look at companies both outside India and in and within India itself, how do you co- compare and contrast the B2B startups in India um, as a, with 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 B2B startups outside of India, and why haven't there been um, enough success cases? Uh, when it comes to B2B startups within within the country?
1: So uh, let me just uh, uh, go back. Uh, I've stopped investing in US personally with 100x as a pool. Uh, I only invest in Indian companies now, uh, but I have invested uh, in over 30 odd companies. Uh, so I have fair bit of uh, understanding on those uh, US and outside uh, Uh, in Hong Kong and Singapore investments, uh, what I've done across. Uh, While my brother and the family keeps on investing, I've stopped investing. uh, So my pool now is only focused on 100x in India, uh, in Indian investment. Uh, Having said that, uh, you know, uh, you fund a B2B startup, let's say with a 1 crore here, uh, that would go much farther in every sense than 200k uh, investment in us Uh, the 200k in us uh, can last not more than six months whereas this one crore can last for 18 to 24 months for an indian company Uh, the ability to build product uh, in in terms of the product engineering i would say it's equal Uh, the design ux i believe the the us or the other counterparts are much better uh, from a scalability perspective the thought process or the vision of a uh, overseas founder is much much uh, better in terms of their worldview. Uh, indian founders are great in terms of building a business applications uh, their uh, understanding of a, a workflow is far better than, uh, far far better than uh, a US founder. So these are some key differences which we see across. Uh, The ability to raise money uh, for US B2B founder uh, is much higher than uh, ability to raise for a B2B uh, founder in uh, India. Uh, In India, a B2B founder would have to show enough and more traction before he gets an investor attention, which is not the case for uh, U.S. uh, founders.
0: So in your experience, have you seen or do you recommend that uh, B2B founders, B2B um, startups have an incorporation in the U.S. or incorporate their startups in the U.S. just to help them raise that amount of funding to take them to the next level? or do you want them to focus more on the traction in the early days and worry about everything else when it comes to fundraising um, at a later stage?
1: So my advice to most of the B2B founders would be to raise their seed money and uh, maybe their first round of series A or pre-series A in India, Uh, build the product uh, out here, uh, get some initial traction uh, in India, get some initial customers and then uh, start moving out to us to acquire customers and uh, eventually flip the company because the uh, the dollars over there uh, are much better in terms of unit economics for founders in b2b space so even if you look into the companies like zoho or freshworks and you know the successful capillary technologies and you know so uh, all of them have flipped uh, uh, to US uh, to get a better uh, customer traction. But at the initial stage, uh, I, I believe, the at the seed stage, I believe that uh, founders' ability to raise money, build a company, make mistakes in India is much safer bet than doing US. Uh, US, you lose out uh, immediately and you will have to shut down because you will run out of cash. Whereas in India, that possibility is little remote. Uh, the after series b i think indian startups and u.s startups both are at same page there is no difference uh, both has got same velocity uh, uh, same engagement level uh, the sa- same uh, approach what our next round vc would take across be it india or beat us uh,
0: uh, b2b startup
1: so up till series b there are differences and beyond that it's all
0: same well is is there one startup that you have come across whose growth is a great example for other B2B startups within India to use as a case study. This could be a company within your portfolio or something that you have seen in the industry out there as well.
1: No, so one of my company uh, called next uh, which is into B2B uh, logistics uh, analytics software. Uh, the company founders, uh, Dhruvil and Manisha, uh, both Carnegie Mellon graduates. Uh, Worked, uh, I mean, studied in the logistics space, worked in US for Deloitte and uh, IBM in the logistics arm, uh, um, came back to India, started this uh, firm, uh, built this software product, had initial customers. Uh, we, I, I was the lead investor and uh, we built this company and uh, they are growing at a rapid space, both in Southeast Asia and US. Uh, Markets uh, and and it's a great example of how a company uh, you know grew uh, from a seed stage to a successful uh, you know Series B
0: kind of uh, company uh, in less than uh, four years. Right, and what about an example of a company that's outside your portfolio?
1: Uh, I, there are enough and more. If you look into Zoho itself, is the biggest uh, you know beacon for India. Mm-hmm. right? So, uh, Zoha has been uh, continuously growing into the markets, the toughest markets, uh, you know, making dent into uh, fighting against companies like Salesforce, right. uh, you know. So, so I, I think we have got enough and more examples uh, where, uh, you know, uh, founders have that ability to take on the large biggies and still become successful.
0: Well, that's a great point that you made there. Now, you've been Investing as an angel from a family office, and now um, you know with with 100x VC. How have you seen yourself change as an investor from when you started?
1: Uh, my opinions have been continuously changing on uh, uh, my investment thesis, and it has been growing over the time. And I I believe that you know uh, as an investor, if I'm learning my opinions have to change. Uh, if I'm not changing my opinion, which means uh, I, which means that I'm not learning. So as more and more understanding on the investment, the next round of fundraise, the legal tangles, uh, everything comes at 4A. I, I think uh, what I was uh, in 2011 to today, uh, it is a quite a different approach. Earlier it was more about, uh, you know, uh, helping this uh, founders uh, build their business uh, today I would say across it's it's all about how do I get velocity for these founders how do I help them raise the next round of funding uh, how do I ensure that the the founders uh, you know are able to have a discipline and a focus on what to do and what not to do uh, so so the, my value addition has drastically increased then, uh, what it was up here
0: has there anything that surprised you Sanjay over the past uh, decade or so
1: one of the biggest success in uh, the surprise for me was uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies uh, I, I got a couple of deals initially, which I uh, didn't end up investing in 2015 or odd in the crypto space uh, then i got introduced to the cryptocurrencies i invested into it found it very amusing started learning on it uh, then i invested into uh, a company called Block. One. And, uh, and
0: this company is an indian startup
1: no this was a hong kong based startup got it okay uh, so the, this company uh, as i mentioned this was again a second time investment I'd invested in this founder, uh, his name is Brendan Bloomer in his earlier venture, which uh, didn't uh, work out as uh, we lost money. But uh, I ended up investing in his second uh, venture called Block.one. So continued backing him. And uh, we were the only first check writer into the company uh, alongside other investors. And this company in 2017 went out to raise uh, world's largest ICO of four and a half billion dollars, and ICO is uh, is not valuation; it is like actual cash in the bank. Mm-hmm. So guys had that money as a, on their balance sheet, and uh, Peter Thiel came in subsequently, and uh, early investors had uh, around six thousand six hundred, some fifty-seven percent return on their uh, investment. So uh, it was a great surprised to me that a company can raise across this kind of money through an ICO and that was just amazing.
0: Wow that's that sounds like an amazing story and I mean it surprised you it might have surprised a lot of people in the industry as well. Now let's come to an interesting part Uh, what did you get wrong what is your anti-portfolio what did you how uh, it's very interesting for me to learn about uh, you know when when investors talk about their intuition and gut i also like to learn about some of the investments that you know they missed out on and what are some of the things that you feel you're probably invested in and you should have but you um, you you didn't
1: there are ma- there are many of them i've lost so many i've been wrong multiple times i wish uh, i could have invested in each one of them and I had enough money to fund more and more companies and that's why this whole thesis of 100x uh, but let me just go back uh, so one of the com- Companies uh, which I missed out big time in a B2B stage is a company called VizRocket, which is now called uh, CleverTap. Uh, this deal was like virtually we were uh, working and negotiating and talking to the founders and uh, Excel Partners and gave them uh, came and gave them a first seed check. It was like a damn surprise to us, Excel uh, coming and doing this. But uh, we lost out to them. Uh, and because of our timing, uh, the engagement, what we had across, we lost a great deal, which is, I think the last, what they raised was Series C or D, and they're they're out to become a unicorn. So oh, wow. for me, that is one big uh, loss. Uh, the next one, which I lost across, was a company named Haptic, uh, which was a, a chatbot company. Chatbot. In fact, I... I I met them, uh, met the founder three times at various occasions to invest money, but somewhere uh, the deal didn't happen across. uh, Every point in time before I take a decision, somebody else came in. Was it Kalari that
0: invested in them? Yes, the
1: the first I lost to Kalari. Ah, there we go. Uh, While I was talking to uh, uh, Haptic guys, and then many of them, my. My nephew at family office was looking at Bharat Pay. Uh, we had got the excess. We lost on that uh, kind of stuff. And there have been I, I can I can count maybe over 25, 30 deals which we should have done and we didn't.
0: Well, I think that's the beauty of being in this game. You know, you uh, you win some and you lose some, and it's uh, especially when you're uh, investing at the early stage. It's uh, a lot of it is 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 calculated um gambling if you if you can put it that way uh no,
1: so we we position this is you know uh it's very difficult for us did i know oyo will become oyo or block one will become block one no we right. never knew that it is market which decides winner uh you know uh if i would know everything uh first and saying that this company is going to be huge or a unicorn i would bet my house on that but that's this. <laughs> these things works across while uh, as an investor, we feel, uh, you know, uh, we are in control of the dice which we are rolling into, but that's not the way it works across.
0: Right. What is one piece of advice you have for first-time entrepreneurs on fundraising?
1: Uh, I, the only one advice which I tell most of the founders is never, never, never run out of cash. Hmm. In the hopes of raising the next round, most of them run out of cash. And if you uh, will allow me the second one, I, I would uh, say across get a uh, get your first check from a investor uh, who has seen uh, multiple cycles of uh, exits and building companies.
0: Uh, Going back to the point of, um, you know, companies running out of money in in the process of raising the second order. Why do you think that is the case? Is it because they hire way too many people to to go out and build build the product or are there other things that they get focused on where they're allocating resources where they shouldn't be?
1: So, uh, many times the investor pushes the founders uh, to grow at a rapid pace with an uh, view that as soon as the velocity will happen and the growth will happen across, uh, the next round possibilities will emerge immediately, uh, which by far, uh, I think the success on that model has been maybe 20 to 30%, not more than that. rest of the times, uh, you know, this strategy doesn't work because putting, uh, you know, throwing money to problems is never going to solve the problem. Uh, So, it it takes time before you build a company. So, the way I would see across is most of the founders uh, should be doing across uh, experimentation with uh, uh, least amount of capital uh, unless they are very sure that this model is going to gain, uh, you know, Uh, uh, Profitability or sustainable uh, growth kind of stuff And uh, you know just getting a term sheet uh, Does not mean the money is in the bank Right Uh, Right. In fact term sheets uh, Typically the drop rate is almost like 50% plus uh, You know uh, between the DD and the term sheet There are a lot of drop which happens And founders make this mistake of assuming saying that now the township is there, the money is in the bank. Uh, founders uh, uh, blow up a large chunk of money in paying uh, salaries or hiring, hiring uh, folks uh, with an assumption saying that, you know, uh, now that we have money, we, uh, let's pay everyone good and things will change drastically. Uh, the same team which was working at a uh, Lean Structure, Uh, suddenly blows out of proportion as soon as the money hits in the bank. So, whenever there is a money in the bank, I think uh, most of the founders end up doing, you know, crazy things. Uh, They would take up a project or a, you know, a a, a partnership uh, within thought process saying that in future they would have more and more money coming in. And uh, without any understanding or a contractual obligation. So, these are you know, I can keep on going across, but there are so many mistakes which most of the founders do.
0: Right. I mean, it's such a coincidence that just this evening I was listening to a podcast where Caitlin Strandberg mentioned that uh, you know she was investing in a company and they received the term sheet and they felt that they they closed the deal, but uh, they ended up losing on it. The company today is 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 a unicorn, and she says that you know a term sheet is is not is not the end. It's only end when it's when it's done and when it's signed and sealed. Uh, if that's not happened, then uh, your deal is still not closed. So it's it's such a coincidence that you mentioned the same point today as well. What's one thing you'd like to change about venture capital in India?
1: I wouldn't say venture capital because I'm not in that space in the larger checks. But at least uh, from the seed stage, uh, one thing which I, I have begun as a journey is to use safe notes so we would like if India's simple agreement for future equity uh, being the first preferred document for any seed stage investment in fact we have made this document open source mm-hmm. uh, for uh, every founder every investor to use it uh, they can download it from our website right and uh, founders can use this and that would speed up uh, the process of fundraising uh, drastically we, we have closed deals in uh, you know less than 48 hours uh, while including wiring the money because there is hardly any secretarial work required from uh, Ministry of corporate affairs uh, The closure is very quick. No legal cost. It's right. just a standard six-page template. So I think if uh, Indian uh, investor starts looking at uh, uh, You know I uh, it would be a great beginning great
0: and, and lastly sanjay what is one startup from your portfolio that you are extremely bullish about and and why
1: i'm bullish about everything uh, <laughs> uh, I of things, that would be like, your answer <laughs> I, I i wouldn't pick uh, one there are so many of them and uh, while we invest across uh, the, you know the potential but w- one pick if you are going to force me then it's going to be 100x
0: right well um thank you so much for your time sanjay i really appreciate it it was a great conversation um i enjoyed some of your wonderful insights when it came to investing in b2b startups as well as uh, in general in india is it itself and your experience over the last decade has been nothing short of amazing so thank you so much for being on the show and uh, giving me a little bit of your time to pick your brain
1: akash it was wonderful talking to you and uh i'm sure uh, we'll cross
0: paths uh, soon wasn't that insightful it was an absolute pleasure having sanjay on the podcast and have him share his thoughts on investing as an angel and later as a micro vc if you'd like to keep an update on sanjay and 100x vc you may follow him on twitter at meta sanjay that's m e h t a S A N J A Y. It will also be available to you on the podcast note. If you're still listening to the podcast, and I hope you really are, I'd really appreciate it if you could also rate, review, subscribe, and leave your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You may also follow me on Twitter at Bhat V Akash, that's B H A T V A K A S H, or drop me an email at Akash at scrum.vc. Stay tuned for the next episode. I have another very interesting VC on the show. So until then, take care.